for folks that couldn't make it. Just a reminder, today's conference is being recorded. And then just a reminder, I'm going to go first, like I said, to Brandon. And then uh, this time we're starting questions uh, at the top, which means it'll be Adam and Elisa and Andrea and RJ uh, coming the rest of the way down after I pick up Brandon. I'm so excited about who's on the call with us. It's a huge deal to me because he is uh, so much more than a presenter. He is a son in the Lord, and I love him with all my heart. And uh, I, I think Pat really needs no introduction. He, he and his amazing wife, Karen, are the senior pastors at Summit Church in Birmingham. And prior to that point, they served as youth pastors and evangelists for lots of years. Many of you have been, um, you know, in some of the amazing services that he was the speaker for. In 97, they started uh, an evangelistic ministry called Mercy Seat Ministry. And during this time, they also established the Forerunner School of Ministry. Uh, and that, some of those amazing students are the people that we just heard from. And obviously, gosh, Pat is one of uh, the premier communicators at youth camps and conventions and conferences and a million other things uh, could be said about him. They have two amazing kids, uh, Nate, who's his biological son, who uh, just graduated and is going to Southwestern University, and uh, sweet Abby, Abigail, who they adopted from China, and it's a pivotal point in their ministry. I can say it now because they've announced it to the church just last week that they're going to go uh, back on the road, and uh, they've raised up leadership there, and so the church uh, will thrive. And and the topic, he gave me a couple of things that sounded good to him, and I chose this one because I thought, especially from a male perspective, it would be so awesome to hear emotions that can destroy a leader. And so, Pat, you take 10 or so minutes, and then we'll start on the questions. And, gosh, son, I love you with all my heart, and you know how much uh, I think of you. And I just want you to know that I, next to Karen, am one of your biggest fans. So I love you deeply, and we are so grateful you carved out time to be with us. So the floor is yours. Well, Mom, I want to say, first off, uh, I'm overwhelmed. And, and I don't know when I've ever gotten on the phone with you and have not ended up crying. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm a mosaic leader. And uh, one of the things I was saying about this morning is uh, mosaic ha leaders have to be careful with what color they're painting with. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we have to have a constant campus. And, uh, and I have to be careful that my family doesn't become my apron that I wipe the paint on. And one of the things that, that I want you to know, there's been times in my life, Mom, where there's probably, besides Karen, besides my my family, my, my son graduates tonight. In fact, I got out of the house, came to the park, sitting in my car in the park to talk to you guys because uh, it's, about to get, it's about to get crazy at our house. Oh. And uh, uh, one of the things that I love about you so much is you have the ability to immediately tap emotions that have been hidden. And uh, you, you do that with me. You've been with me in trials and triumphs and victories, and, and uh, you are my mom. Oh. And uh, I, I love you with uh, more than you could ever, ever know. 
And today, uh, leaders, I'm overwhelmed that I get to speak to you. Now, it's kind of a crazy week for us because uh, we did announce in both services last Sunday. We started the church about three and a half years ago with exploded multi-generational, uh, multi-racial, and then multiple services. But God told me I was flying on a flight back from Singapore uh, back in December from doing a youth convention there. And Mom and I had been there together. They preached us to death while we were there. And, yes. uh uh, we both go to the hotel and we sit in the lobby and go, wow. <laughs> uh, we've, got, we've, got, hey, we've got some crazy stories. What about, yes. the, what about the midnight zoo they took us to, Mom? Was that crazy? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. But I announced Sunday that, that um, uh, we're, we, God told me on that flight back that we were to go back to the nations. And this was the fourth season. Mom, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, but I was in the car with you. Uh, you and I had flown into Baton Rouge for a funeral for a great right. youth right. leader's wife, for Joe's right. wife. Right. I'm in the car with you, and I just unloaded on you. I just, I mean, you just got off the plane, and I unloaded. And because uh, God was, you know, I missed seeing a generation touched every week. And uh, you, you, you just, what I love about you is you just say, do it, just do it. And uh, this last <laughs> Sunday was the was the culmination of that incredible experience pastoring. But uh, uh, but now it's time to do this, and so I'm a little emotional today. Let me let me start with this really quick, guys. Uh, I took my son. He works out every day because he's going to play football on scholarship, and we went to the track the other day. And I had found out that if I don't exercise, if I don't if I don't tan, I mean I know that sounds very feminine, but if I don't tan, I, my emotions can win. And then, of course, right. I'm right. And, uh, and I'm at the uh, track running, and I'm walking off the field, and I've got my arms around this big uh, fullback. And I'm talking to Nate, and I said, Nate, are there any regrets for the last 18 years about to graduate? He said, no regrets, Dad. And he's lived it. Chose not to go to his prom this year because all these little girls liked him. And he said, went fishing with his youth pastor. And I, I'm walking off the field, and I looked over, and there's a dad walking around the track. And he's got a three-year-old little boy. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I said, Now, you need to know, enjoy this, because it goes fast. And then I went into that he was graduating and going to play football. And the dad looked at me and smiled and said, I will, sir. He's pointing out the goalposts to his son and all those things that I did with Nate. And as I'm walking wow. away, I've got my arm around Nate, and he said, Dad, that was like a movie, wasn't it? I said, it sure was. I get in the car, and the Holy Spirit hit me, and I just start weeping. And God said, Son, I want to take you for a walk today. And I want to show you a field, a field that's so wide into harvest that if you just get on that track, I'll give you the field. And I want to share for a couple of moments the power of your emotions, the power as a leader. You know, we're crazy enough to deal with students, and students can break your heart. I heard about the, the precious leader that's at a funeral for a child that hung himself. I, I know what that's like in Indianapolis when I... One night when I got the call that a young man, we had just called from our phone ministry to tell him to be at youth service. But he had pulled up a note and said to the pastor, Pat, I wanted to preach the funeral. And I stopped at some railroad tracks after leaving the hospital with blood on my shirt as I watched that young man take his last breath because he had shot himself. All I could do was pray in the spirit. That's all I could do. And I got to those railroad tracks and the devil immediately, the enemy immediately, began to speak to me that I was the worst youth pastor that ever lived. And it, I, I don't know about you, if you're a great dreamer and you're a great visionary, your emotions, they are a roller coaster. You're a teenager. Yeah. I mean, 
because your emotions can attack you. One of the greatest messages I ever heard was from Mom, and it was out of the dark times. And a scripture that Mom uses in Isaiah 50, verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark and who has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. I want to take you on a journey for just a couple of minutes, and I'm even watching the clock on my dash in my car. And if he'll speak to you in private, he'll speak through you in public. 
I think of some of the guys that are on your car right now. I know these guys. I live their hearts. And I know the battles they've walked through. I know the wars they've gone through. But they'll get up early in the morning and go to a Bible club with five kids and preach to them like they're preaching to 5,000. Can I tell you something? God will honor that. But let me tell you this. Let me give you four points and I'll be done. And that is number one. And remember Hebrews 10. It's my favorite scripture. It's going on my tombstone when I die. We are not of those who shrink back. We are not of those that are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Can I tell you, number one, you've been hidden for a reason. Anything created for greatness started out as an idea. Everything. I just did a sermon uh, at my church a few weeks ago called Go Small or Go Home. Everything in God's Word starts small. Nothing starts big. And what I've learned is God was excited about your birth, so he kept you hidden. We know the, the scriptures. The best scripture you'll ever use in youth ministry is Psalm 139. Shiver the darkness will hide me and the light will become night. And then it goes on to say, you created my inmost being. Listen, my days were ordained, it goes on to say. I'm here for a moment. This is my moment. And what you got to understand is, number two, the enemy wants to keep you in darkness. He can't stand it if you're walking in the light. He can't stand it if you're walking in joy. Can I tell you the first ten years of youth ministry? And that's how long I you pastor. The first ten years were torture and hell on my wife. Well, how can you say that? We saw the youth ministry explode in Indianapolis and Decatur, Alabama. I can tell you that because I would come home every Wednesday night. And that failure spirit would sneak in on me. And I'd go to bed thinking about all the kids that weren't there, and I think that I was the worst youth pastor. And God broke that off me one day in a hotel room in Toronto, Canada, and said, Son, You've never resurrected. You just redecorate the same old tomb. He said, Pat, I've called you to come out of the tomb. I've called you to be the one that's different. We know 2 Corinthians 4, 3. Paul said, if we have this treasure in jars of clay. And it goes on to say, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Number three, let me give you three emotions that every leader must confront. We know what they are. Depression, insecurity, and fear. We know that depression, the number two group, and the number one group is teenagers, number two group is senior adults. Can I tell you on the same track, well, I was actually a different track running this morning. I was running around the track, and I saw a 78-year-old man that I know from my church. He loves me dearly. He's mad at me right now because I stood up and said that I'm just going to be oversight, and I'm sending the church to my executive. He's upset with me. He's hurt. And I was running, and I got around the track, and I... I laughed him one time, and I laughed him the second time, and walked up beside him, and he began to tell me the despair of the world and the nation and our state and our city and, and now the church. And I just looked at him, and all I could say was I love him. A few days ago, I had elation. A few days ago, God just did a cool work in me at a track. But then today, I could have taken that moment and walked off like I had failed, but I didn't. I had to get in the car and drive home. And I had to say to myself, I'm doing what you told me to do, God, not what man told me to do. Can I tell you something? Insecurity can cripple you. Psalms 88, 15, from my youth I've been afflicted and close to death. I've suffered your terrors, and I am in despair. What are you talking about? Depression can cause you to lie. Depression can cause you to lay down. Depression can cause you to not be honest with your family. I have one rule with my family because depression was huge in my family growing up. My parents were drug addicts from Detroit. They became, they went in the ministry, but I think the drugs kind of offset them a little bit. 
I think their mind is, you know, they're powerful ministers today, but they battle with that depression thing. I made up my mind it's not coming in my house. And if it comes in, I, I have a rule. I dance. I, I know this sounds really unspiritual, but I turn on my iPod and grab my little girl and we'll dance to Cinderella. I'll grab Ken and we'll dance to Journey because Journey is anointed. It's the greatest music ever created. Anyway. <laughs> and so, but, but when we feel we don't matter, depression comes in. It's the spirit on a generation. When we feel like we can't accomplish anything. When we work for God and the things we know we want to lean on. When everything you're doing seems to get messed up. When people say or do things to take away from your worth or value. When you seem to be the only one working towards the goal. I remember a lady told me when I was in youth ministry years ago. She said, Pat, she looked at me and she was mad at me. I had sent her home from a retreat, her son home from a retreat because he had got caught with alcohol. And she told me I was the worst youth pastor in America. Can I tell you, that was before I got free. For six months, I walked through that dark time. But then God pulled me out of it. I don't let that happen anymore. I don't let that win. Why? Why does depression, when your dreams seem impossible, when it seems like everything bad that could happen to you does, when you walk in fear of where you're going? I had a youth, uh, or a pastor call me the other day, came out of our school, and he said, Pastor, why is it that ministry is so seasonal? I said, what do you mean? He said, it's always for a season, and there's different seasons. I said, God does that not to make me get discouraged. He does that to, to keep it exciting, to keep it fun. How do you break depression? Can I tell you the number one key to breaking depression? Forgiving of somebody. If you forgive somebody that has done a wrong or harmed you, oh, you watch out. Depression has to leave your life. You know the second way? Serve somebody. You know the third way? Get back to that place where he first called you. Number two, emotion, insecurity. Holy cow. This is what drives great leaders. I know very few great leaders that are not insecure. Because you know what we don't realize, though? Insecurity is a form of pride. And God hates pride. Psalm 30, verse 6, when I felt secure, I said, I'll never be shaken, O Lord, when you favored me. You know what that you know what insecurity is? A lack of confidence. Believing I can do it. I talk to youth pastors every week from all over America that battle with this. What are some of the signs? Feeling forsaken, forgotten, not wanted, worthless, low self-esteem. You even can become perfection-oriented because you you always require of everybody else what you yourself have trouble requiring. The insecure person is dangerous. I don't like insecure people on my staff. My staff are listening right now. I tell you, insecure people are dangerous because... They'll stab you to protect themselves if they're not careful. Insecure people are jealous. Most of the time they only have one friend. They have to capture the limelight. They'll even abuse the gifts of the Spirit or the fruits of the Spirit. They live their lives looking in a rearview mirror. Insecure people force everybody else to live at another level than they're not willing to live at. Insecure people usually have few friends. You know Jesus had the biggest reason to be insecure? Look at his stigma. His mother was pregnant. Look at all this stuff. Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 1. I know some of you got your like your little glamour shot photos of Jesus up in your house, but he was ugly. He was not a pretty man, according to Isaiah 53. When he was growing up, his dad disappeared. That's why he went after the disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know the first person he told he had resurrected? He told his uncle, the man that had raised him. Do you know that Jesus had four brothers, one of which did not get saved till the cross? He had a brother that didn't even believe in him until he watched him die for the cause. <clears throat> he had every reason to be insecure. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the people that he created. 
Just how you know you're for children of. And I love Psalms one or Psalm sixteen, verse five. Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. You want to talk about crazy? Walk away from a church that is exploding. Devil services needs to go to free services. And God tell you to resign. It's crazy. I have great leaders that have told me the last four or five weeks I'm crazy, but they told me I was crazy when I left the road. Because here's the deal. People don't understand that people that, that, uh, don't understand when someone lives on the edge because they just want the heart of God. Mm. Let me give you ten ways to know you're secure. You don't need praise. You don't mind others receiving praise. You don't have to be seen. We know Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humble. You don't have to be heard. You serve because you enjoy it. You're the first. You have an acute sense of others' needs. You desire much, but you only ask for little. You realize that winning consists of losing. You hold your head up high, your pride down low, and your spirit keeps showing. Can I give you the third thing that destroys the leaders? Fear. Some of you think that your life is controlled by the person you work for. Can I tell you it's not? I remember the youth pastor in Indianapolis. My pastor retired. I've been over the church in Indianapolis, large church, for 75 years, I think. And all of a sudden, a new guy gets hired. He's a great man, good friend. But, boy, I was so, I thought, man, the board had told me they're going to keep you. He came in that night. I even voted for that month to get elected. He gets elected, meets with me in my office, and said, hey, I'm bringing my youth pastor with me. Wow. I thought, holy cow. That night, I went out and hit, hit golf balls at an all-night driving range. Wrote names of board members on the golf balls. I really did that. I know it sounds evil. But you know what? It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it launched me into my destiny. And I didn't realize it then. But some of us battle panic attacks. You battle fear. Fear of the crowd. Who's going to show up I'm at my service? What if they don't like what I have to say? Luke 21. But make up your line not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. 21 verse 14. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. And then write this down. God hasn't let you down. You need to understand something. Psalms 25, 3. No one who's hoping in you will ever be put to shame. I'm reminded of this, and, and this is the last thing I'll say to you. But you got to figure out a plan. you got to have a daily plan. Because the job we do doesn't come with coddling out. The job we do doesn't come with accolades till 10 years down the road when they call you on... Thanksgiving and Christmas and say thanks, Pastor. The job we do, and the hardest job in America is not a youth pastor. The hardest job in America is, is, is the spouse of that pastor. Because they see the hits. They see the, the things that you got to miss at times. But let me tell you something. When I got ready to go on the road, and I was, the youth ministry was exploding, and I thought I was crazy, but God told me to do it. I'll never forget. I was, we were riding our bikes around the neighborhood. I was about to tell my son at the time he was five years old. He's 13, he's 18 today and he's graduating tonight. And I had prayed and God said he won't backslide because you got to travel. He put, God promised me that. And I'm riding the bike and all of a sudden I stopped to tell Nate. I said, Nate, Daddy's going to be gone a lot. He's going to be in hotels. I didn't know I'd be traveling two million miles. I didn't know that I would do, that God would do what he did. But he looks up at me, and I got tears in my eyes, and I said, but God's promised me you'll be strong. And he said, Daddy, when I get to heaven, it's like that song we listen to on the radio. People are going to say, thank you, Nate. Can I tell you guys that he's going into youth ministry, that he's already preached youth conferences and youth camps? He's going with me to camps this summer to represent his college. 
Can I tell you something else? Figure out a plan. Remember Elijah? Remember Elijah wanted to quit. He thought all the prophets were dead. Jezebel was trying to kill him. Ahab. God gets him up one morning in First Kings 19 and says, "Go anoint Jehu. Jehu is the king that would, or is the king that would eventually conquer Jezebel." But Elijah got a plan. Remember what happens? God gets, says, "Get up." Now watch. Here's how you defeat depression. Number one, lay down or the, defeat emotions that can destroy you. Lay down. Some of you guys need to learn how to take a nap. You need to go take a nap. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. It is the most. You'll feel thinner when you wake up. Your belly will be down. First Kings 19. Then he laid down under a tree and fell asleep. And an angel touched him and said, "Get up and eat." Number two, get up and eat. That's what you got to learn. It says he looked around and found a cake and bread. In First Kings 19, a jar of water. Then the angel Lord came back to him the second time and said to him, "Said, get up, for the journey is too much for you." Number three, go on a journey for God. Go find somebody in a mall. I was walking through a YMCA the other day, and God's a leader, God is a teenager of the Lord that I've been praying for for years. He's going on football scholarship. Man, it just was a, and, and, and the power of God has broke out in that YMCA. They've had someone saved now in that leader's office almost every day for the last four weeks. Because it all started, I walked in, I'm supposed to tell to this kid, and all of a sudden, I'm just there to work out. Man, I got to pour into him. Power of God came in. Set that kid free. He's on fire. He's going on full scholarship for football as well. And he will go be a maniac. But I prayed for him for five years. Go on a journey. Here you go. Number best thing that happened. So he got up. He drank. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he, you know what he did? He found a cave. Man, I got to tell you, go away periodically and find a cave. He went into the cave. And he said in verse 10, I've been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars. I'm the only one left. He's still battling stuff here. But then you know what happened? Get, get in his presence. First Kings 19. He went out and sat on the mountain. And, and I'm done right here. And then learn, learn to do this. Talk to God. And then the next thing, use your anointing. Watch what happens. He hears the voice of God. He goes back out and begins to anoint people. And he found the last thing. You want to break the emotions that destroy you? Find a disciple. And he went and laid his mantle. He went and laid his mantle on a young kid named Elisha from a wealthy family who had walked beside him. And this is what I want to say to you leaders. You must have these moments on calls like this. Mom is the greatest encourager. But I love it when she got real one time at, at NYLC and she said, Hey, I battle depression. Hey, I battle things. She talked about going and getting Sammy, uh, 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 an all-natural uh, supplement you can get at Walmart to control her emotions. Great leaders battle with great dark times. You know what I've learned? The greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. I spent two weeks crying out to God. I came home yesterday, and I'm going, God, are we going to be okay? You're launching us back out. We're getting ready to do 20 youth conferences this summer. It's going to be crazy. But you know what happened? God does cool things for me, okay, because we're, we're boys. We hang out. You know what happened? I get out of my car yesterday. I look up in the sky, and there's the most beautiful rainbow. Now, we know rainbow's been hijacked by other groups and used wrong. But there's the most beautiful rainbow, the promise of God. I ran inside. I grabbed Karen and took her outside, and we're standing on the front porch of our home. And I said, look up. And there was that rainbow. I said, you know what? His promises are always there for us. I want to speak life over your spirit today.
tell you that no teenager has the power to take your anointing. No parent, and not even any lead pastor or senior pastor. The only person that has the power to take your anointing is you. For you to lay it down and follow wrong ambitions, chase after Herod's daughter. you got to make up your mind. I will finish this thing strong. So I can hear that one word in the Hebrew, or in the Greek, well done. It's actually one word, and it means you have found favor. The one word for in the Hebrew is Y-O-O. And God says, I want to put favor on you. I want to blow your mind. I was driving down the street the other day, and I said, God, do something cool for me today. Now, you're going to think this is stupid, but I stopped in the middle of the road, and there was a hundred rolls of toilet paper that had fallen out of somebody's truck. You should have seen me. I'm pulled off the road. My pants are falling down. I'm out in the middle of the road. I'm directing traffic, and people are going, wow, can I have some of that? I'm like, uh-uh, keep moving. I came home, and my trunk was full of 100 rolls of toilet paper I found on the road last week. And my wife goes, what in the world? Let me tell you, you don't have to buy no toilet paper. <laughs> because God is so cool that he does little things for me. You know why? One word, obedience. And in that one little word in the middle called die. You have no right to be discouraged. You have no right to be depressed after a service. You have no right to take it. Every time you doubt God's anointing on you, it breaks his heart and he weeps. Because he knows what he made. He made you in a dark place. And sometimes he puts you back in that dark place so he can remake you again. I'm honored to share with you today. You are awesome. You are awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, pull yourself off mute when we're coming close to you. And as always, you are so welcome to say, hey, uh, um, you know, let me take a pass today. But again, the topic, let's stay on, which Pat has done such an awesome job coaching on, is emotions that can destroy a leader. So anything that deals with all of the emotional stuff, mind game stuff that we all certainly deal with, um, and he's spoken so well to that. So I'm going to come to Brandon first, like I said. And, you know, whoever just pulled it off, why don't you keep it on mute until we get near you? There. That sound went away. That's great. So we'll go to Brandon first, and we'll go to Adam, Alisa, and then Andrea, and go from there. Brandon, my friend, you got anything you want to ask, Pat? Um, probably nothing right now. I'm processing a lot, but... I just have to say thank you so much. It's a timely message for where I'm at right now, so thank you so much. Brandon, man, I just, I, when you started speaking, the Lord just put my, dropped to my spirit. You tell him there, there is an incredible season that's about to break out for you. And you hold on. You hold on. You're not a, you're not a daycare director. You're not a gym teacher. You are a pastor. Awesome. Adam, my love, you got a question? Um, I don't think I have a question. I just want to say thanks. I think it's been awesome uh, trying to process all of it. So all thank right. You. And I hear your baby in the background, so I'm smiling. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. I'm so thrilled for you. Thank so you. thrilled. Alisa, talk to us, dear one. Well, I would like to say I have a deep question, but I really don't. I just want to say those words are amazing words that are so on target. And I think they would probably be on target any time, but um, in my life right now, and in, I'm sure all of us, but I just want to thank you, because that was amazing to just sit thank and feel and listen. You guys are awesome, and, and it is so obviously when you're asking questions 
on a topic like this. This is not an analytical one. But let's not all take a pass because I would love for you, and I know it's just a little bit more challenging to think of questions on stuff like this, but get your head going for me. And if I think of one later, can I come Oh, back? you're great. Sure. No big deal. Andrea, darling. Yes. All right. Uh, well, I have one quick question, uh, just a clarification and then a longer question. Uh, the first one is you had said great leaders battle with dark times. And then you said the greater the anointing, the greater the, and I didn't get it. The greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. The more, one time when I was praying, God spoke to my heart. I'm, I thought, God, I'm lonely. I, I, I mean, my phone is full. I've got people all around me, but I'm lonely. And he said, son, when I do surgery on you, I lock the, the, the operating door. And I have found out. That, that great leaders battle with that because you've got such crazy dreams that push you. They wake you up in the morning, and you have to guard that it doesn't become ambition versus vision. Ambition is man-driven, man birth. Vision is God-dreamed. And so when I say the greater the owner, the greater the isolation, that's actually not even my quote. I think that's a Wigglesworth quote. Okay. And, okay. All right, and my question is, uh, you had said earlier that uh, kind of you had told God, look, I'm doing what you told me to do, not what man told me to do. So kind of when you deal with that in your heart and you know uh, what you're called to do and whether that's moving on or moving forward or just doing whatever it is, um, I think along with that, at least in my life, uh, that, you know, people kind of put their expectations on you and their guilt. Kind of how do you deal with, with, with battling your own guilt when other people are kind of putting it on for you? Okay, that's a brilliant, brilliant question, Andrew, because I'm literally dealing with that right now. And uh, there's people that are writing me Facebooks going, we love you, Pastor, but, man, we thought you'd be with us forever. And my wife mm-hmm. said something so critical to me. Karen said something so critical. Pat, we cannot live our lives with others' expectations because then we'll limit the God in our lives. And the Lord spoke something to me last week. He said, son, no man can emancipate you from what I've called you to do. So don't look for one to. And I just wrote that. I preached that last Sunday. And uh, what you have to understand is when you make a decision, now listen, there's, there's wisdom in counsel. I, Jeannie will tell you, I called her probably, I, I, I feel bad because I only called her when I'm really, really needing <laughs> help. And it's an emergency moment. I'm like, okay, I don't know where you're at, but you got to call me. And, but, what, but you know what I found out? I found out that if I will ask the right people at the right time, and then weigh those answers, and I make my decision. I cannot go back. I, I have to. Now, it doesn't mean I don't step back and explain it more. And that's the critical part of this. Many times when people get offended or hurt at your decisions, you may not have shared your vision correctly. You may okay. think they've been walking with you for six months, and they haven't. All right, okay. awesome. Thank you so much. I couldn't take enough notes. This has been an awesome call. Thank you so much. Uh, RJ, you're up, my friend. All right. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for everything. I mean, this kind of hits home for me right now, and uh, it's just it's just been really great um, and everything. And I just want to ask you, I guess recently for me, um, I started something up new for the summer, and, I mean, it's been going great. It's been this new kickoff thing. It's just almost an experiment. It's been yeah. going awesome. Um, and then kind of last night was our Wednesday night thing. The service went great. Something kind of went down with a few leaders afterwards. And 
And I guess with me, it's more of a thing where it's hard for me to feel good when problems come up with those around me and those helping me. Um, and so I guess it's just hard for me dealing with some of these emotions that are, are coming up and not knowing what to do with, you know, two of my awesome leaders who can't quite get along and making me feel a little bit kind of like, oh, man, you know, those are the people I'm supposed to be leading. And now that's like making me feel a little, uh, you know, I guess depressed as you were kind of talking about that and just wondering maybe some some things or pointers um, those yeah, what I, I, RJ, what I would say to you is, number one, you said about three things to me there, and th- and thank you for being vulnerable and asking that and being that, that vulnerable to share that. I have found out after every great victory comes a great defeat. And and uh, I call it the idea of victory and the, and the thrill of defeat because you get knocked down, and it's what makes you get back up. But what I would say to you is you finished an incredible night last night, and you placed yourself at another level High, lower than where God has you to get around people that may not quite get what you're doing. Here's what I said about the anointing being uh, the isolation. You are standing there. And then the other thing, and I, I, I just want to say, number one, be careful. The doors that you open after a great victory by who you communicate with, because they don't get it. I'm sorry. They don't. They don't carry the weight you carry. But number two, I would say to you, uh, and that is, don't take improper ownership of someone else's issue. That is the way the enemy defeats us and tells us we're failing as pastors. I can't take an improper ownership, and I just walked through three and a half years of this pastoring thing, and it's, it's I love the road. And, but what I've learned, and I have great people, never an issue. But, you know, well, I will say this, I had a children's pastor that fell, one of the top in America, that fell more Man. I caught myself taking improper ownership of his decisions. And God just said, no, you don't take that, son. He made a choice. With these two leaders, you tell them your heart, you tell them to get it right, and you tell them, keep this junk out of our ministry. Keep this junk away from our students. And and take on a more of a, a leadership anointing that says, hey, I love you. Y'all got to figure this out, but I'm not taking on your stuff. And it's not my issue if you can't get along. Get along and get over it. I hope I'm not being too emphatic. Mom, what do you think? No, I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So thank you so much. I mean, that that does speak right to me. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Brian Henry, you got a question? Um, Sure. I really appreciate your comment when you talked about the most difficult job in the country is really being a youth pastor's wife. Um, what are some things we can do? Because many of us who are married understand that not being a nine to five and the emotional drain that comes along with youth ministry. But what are some of the things that we can do to um, some practical things that we can do to safeguard that um, emotional drainage going on to our spouses and our families? And things that we can do? Number one, and Karen and I teach on this at Youth Pastors Conferences. Because she travels and speaks. She was in Brownsville last week. She does a really cool message called Confessions of a Shopaholic. And, but when we first, the first few years of ministry, Karen was very shy when we first got married. And, and I brought, I brought out the extrovert and she's made me quieter. And, uh, but what, one of the things that I found out, I was only communicating the bad. I would not celebrate the joyous moments. Number two, I wasn't communicating everything that was going on around her 
I didn't tell her all the issues. Now, I'm not talking about this. You don't have to share all the junk. That's not what I'm talking about. Because sometimes they can get, especially our spouse, man or woman, they take on our offenses no matter what. But what I would say to you in that area is I would help nudge and lead and walk beside, not too hard and not force, but I would make sure they were a part of all the great moments. But not only that, I would realize, man, one of the greatest things I ever did is when I got on my knees and washed my wife's feet, and I said, and the Lord told me to tell her, I want her ministry to be bigger than mine. And when I did that, it broke something off me, maybe something I was raised in, uh, something I saw. But I began to realize that, and then also, the safeguards, my home, I'm telling you, my home is safe. No one goes into our bedroom. That's the love palace. Nobody does. Uh, when people come over. Not only that, uh, my family, I make sure, we have a rule in our family, and Jeannie taught me this, and it's our family covenant, and we sign it, that our tenth rule and our biggest rule is this, without the church, we're okay. What does that mean? Christ died for the church. I get it. But I'm talking about on a ministry-minded basis. If I don't have the church, I'm just fine. And we've taught our family that. That's why my kids love the ministry. They've been all over the world. They've never heard a bad thing. I don't bring bad stuff into our home because I have picked up that most attacks are are not necessarily uh, personality but spirituality. There's a war going on there. But also, the biggest thing with your spouse, you've got to be the one that turns to them and be their biggest fan and allow them to be your biggest fan. If they tell you great sermon, don't just say, hey, thanks. Stop, look her in the eyes. Thank you. I can't do it without you. And it took me years to learn this. I made so many mistakes early on because it was all about Pat. So arrogant. And God said, son, Karen's anointing is actually greater than yours. She is the Holy Spirit of our relationship. In the garden, you had Adam, the first created son, God, uh, the father, and then he had Eve. Eve was the Holy Spirit. Karen is my Holy Spirit. When I began to acknowledge that anointing, and when she would bring things to me, I didn't blow them off. I quit blowing them off if she felt something because she was able to pick up things that I didn't pick up and she became my safeguard, my Holy Spirit in the flesh. But I would say the biggest thing is do it together. Communicate it together. If somebody brings something to you, some some young lady walks up to you and, and starts saying something and says, you know what, I'm just not good at, at, at uh, uh, helping with this, but uh, would you go sit with my wife for a moment? And I began to push her push people on her and we became a team over but it didn't happen overnight it is a process Excellent. there you go so good um Brian Herring you got a question no mom I, but I you're great no you're great. great you're great but I've been texting Aaron the whole time and he said his wife's really a wreck so they need prayers so oh god Throw that out. Yeah, they went through a lot sure. of personal stuff, and it's really kind of been hard on them. Golly, did he say what the major things they stole or anything? No, he just said anything of value is gone. What he, the way you put it. Golly. Hey, would, uh, this is Pat. This is Pat. Would you? I'm going to give you my cell phone. Would you text me his number so I can just text him and encourage him? My, uh, my, yeah. my cell. I mean, I don't know if you mind doing that, but my cell is two zero five nine three seven. 
205-2865. My family, and I'll say it again, but my family's from Detroit, and it's a rough place. 205-937-2865. All right. I'll do that. Baba, what do you think, friend? What do you want to talk about? Sure. Uh, I would just ask, as far as on the emotional side and, and develop, uh, going through some of the issues that you talked about, uh, what are some like safeguards and boundaries or even accountability that you can place? I know you talked to Jeannie, but can you kind of walk through the process of having those safe people around and the guardrails that you put up walking through that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it does. I, I think it does. Uh, what, what, what I've learned to do is, is uh, I've learned to have fun at home. And our home is fun. We make it a blast. And moms help teach that to me, but I have other people. Uh, Larry Stockstill is a pastor that if I need a prophetic word, man, if I call him, I better get ready because my hair is going to be pulled back. And then, but I have, I have about four or five what I call parents in ministry that I call. But not only that, I, I just gave a letter to the guy that's taken over for me. His name is Sean Terry, and he's just the best. And he's taking over. He's my executive pastor. He's taking over the church. And I gave him a letter like the president leaves a letter in his drawer for the next president of the United States. And I wrote him a long letter. And I said, on Sunday afternoon, when you get done preaching your guts out at two or three services, just listen for, he, for God to say, well done. And then I said, on Monday morning, this is a private letter I wrote him that I handed to him Sunday as he took over the reins of the church. And uh, one of the other things I wrote, I said to him, I said, when you get up on Monday morning, you look in that mirror after, or for some of you, Thursday morning, smile. Just smile at yourself. Don't take yourself seriously. I have learned to safeguard the people. Now, the other thing is, there are certain people that are in ministry that I do not call or take their calls unless I just really want to go and wallow in the mud with them. Because they're not, you know who can bring life to you, and you have to protect that. And it's the first, Ministry produces narcissism. It just does. It, it becomes about you. And so when I'm walking, the last two weeks of what I've walked through, graduating my son, residing from the church and stepping out and just becoming oversight and now traveling, there are certain people I would never take their phone call right now. Not because I don't love them and don't honor It's just I don't need them in my life right now, not at this moment. I hope that makes sense. In other yeah. words, be careful and in your church. It goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, when RJ was saying that. Man, in your church, after great victories, there are certain people that are anointed to tell you the negative. Stay away from them. I mean, I run from them. I've got, I've got handlers. They'll just get me away from them. Because I don't want to hear it at that moment. I want to hear how great the crowd was and what God did. And uh, I'll go to them. Because some people just feel like they're anointed to be that negative voice. That's true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Ms. Felisa, can I jump in and ask a question now? Yes, honey. And I wasn't meaning I just said it three in a row. So I was trying no, to I know. I knew don't that. Don't feel bad. I'm, okay. I'm mad. I'm getting off. No, <laughs> no, no. I know. Um, I was just thinking through something that I didn't know how to express at the moment, and it comes kind of in dovetail with this, and that would be that the other night I walked into basically um, an ambush, um, and... <laughs> as I saw it later, um, and I just kind of wanted to know, um, I walked in, and you were just talking about negative voices to a situation I had been invited into, and I had, and this is in a church, former church of mine for 19 years, trying to make this short, um, and I had youth with me to help me with what I was doing, 
And as I walked into this and was basically some words were spoken and some things were said to me, um, I had to immediately take on about three different roles. One was trying to rise above it. Two was trying to fight off what was going on inside of me of, oh, my gosh, what is happening and why am I here? Three was trying to make it okay with the youth that were with me. Um, in that situation, and I could go into much more detail, but I won't, if you walk into something like that, and it was just coming off of several victories, just really cool, cool things that were happening, how would you handle that, just walking right into the middle of something like that, as far as your own mind games and how to go forward with that? Here, here's what I've, I, and I've had it happen to me. With our, I'll be with our students on the road, and, and I'll be with somebody that's a leader and uh, uh, that's over an event, and I'll show up, or, or something will happen, or somebody will eat lunch with me after an event, and I'll they'll, they'll go to the negative, and trust me, again, people are anointed for that, I guess. And what I would do is, in every situation, even when students or leaders are not with you, make it a coaching moment. Make it a moment to turn it. You can turn that little ship by just bumping the rudder. Giant ships are moved with tiny rudders. And what you got to understand is, you turn around and you take that person's hand or that leader's hand if it's, if it's right, and you either, number one, say, let's pray about this right now, or number two, you know what you do? You just start loving them. You just start throwing compliments on them. You just you can change the atmosphere in seconds. Right. Now, number three, when you go back with your students or those leaders, don't don't imply too much. You know what? Students I've learned that are like in our school of ministry, if I will spin it, not spin it in a weird way or try to be manipulative, but if I will spin it positive and I will not, uh, it's the same thing I do with my family, but I won't give life to that thing, right. you can close the door and they will forget it by how you react. Right. I'm sorry. Welcome to ministry. <laughs> You're not allowed to be real. Because if you could be real, you could be like the guy that's in the stands at the football game. You could start throwing punches. But you can't. Welcome to ministry. You can't. With the great toys we get comes the great attacks. And what you got to understand is, and it's a brilliant question, because most of our, most of the time, that's why it's called an ambush. You don't see it coming. Yeah. But, but here's what you do. You make up your mind. Even if you have to go hide in the bathroom stall for two minutes, I am not letting this win. Right. I'm just, and I've got people around me now that I've raised up that they know if that starts happening, I almost let them defend me if uh -huh. it's a personal attack. And then I just step back and smile because the Bible says nowhere that I have to defend myself. Yeah. Nowhere. It's not in there. And I just think that sucks because it should be in there. But it's not in there. <laughs> but that's just, the, and Mom, you remember the attack that came against me and I called you? And I mean, mm -hmm. I was getting attacked. Because I made a, a, a decision I felt was right. right. And you, you said to me, son, move forward. Mm -hmm. That's all you said. Do yeah. not let it win. And that's the rule for ministry. Yeah. Thank so you. So good. Thanks so much. So good. Clint, you got a question you want to ask? I, I think you really just answered mine as well, but I'm going to still throw it out there for any other, because it's not as bad as what she was talking about. But, uh, and I have a super headache, so I'm not normally sounding. Yeah, I don't no, normally sound okay. this but, uh We have a family that used to come to our church and uh, left on bad terms, and the family has 11 kids, and so wow. their kids all gone through our ministry. And but now they're kind of um, taking a personal attack at at our ministry. I mean, like our religion took over the whole thing in January, so I haven't even been there that long um, as the lead guy, but. 
um, you know, they're they're doing personal attacks on on me. Like they're put it, they put my dog on Craigslist and they put my car on Craigslist and oh, and so crazy. like you know, and now they're doing it to other people in our in our ministry. And we don't know a hundred percent that it's them, but all fingers are kind of pointing that way. And but also like there's a ton of students that are friends with them that are cutting ties with them because we've really cultivated a family relationship in our ministry. And they're kind of getting sick of it, but at a lot of time, a lot of the time, there's emotional baggage that is coming along with that, and I'm just not real sure how to deal with that um, for our students. On top of that, you know, they're like, they'll call me crying, like, "What do we do?" And you know, and I'm saying we just try to act like it's not bothering us, so they'll stop, you know. But I really don't know what to do. So. Well, there's three levels of, of confrontation. Number one is is to ignore it. And I hope it goes away. And if they're if they're really that demon possessed, then that's probably not going to happen. But then then number two, um, uh, yeah, I, I have figured out that that there is a moment where you throw love at them and you see what happens, and you just say I love you, and you just keep loving them, and you you keep speaking that life to them, and and again you don't defend yourself. But then number three, there comes a moment when it gets personal, and then maybe that's a moment where you bring in someone that can help mediate it, and uh, that's a moment where you take take a hierarchy in your life and say, hey, let me let me mediate this a little bit, and if you get to that place, then, then it's pretty scary, and it's pretty dangerous, because you've got to deal with it, because it's going to affect your family, but you know, yeah. about two years, ago, two years ago, somebody sent a letter out about me that was really twisted and crazy, and man, it was bad, and I finally had to get up in front of my church, and, and it was, a, it was a, another minister, believe it or not. That was mad because he wanted to start a church in our city or something. It was crazy. I had to get up and, and answer this guy's letter, and it ended it. But it was after after I had come to a point where if I don't, okay, if I stay any, if I stay quiet any longer, then then it's just going to keep haunting me. And I just wanted it put to an end. And it was a, it was just a crazy lie thing. But here's what I would say back to you on that: is I would say, and, and man, I pray healing over your head right now. I would say that this is one of those moments where you literally say, God, I will not put up with this anymore. I wrote this in a book, and I'm going to say this quickly. There are five things that will happen to anyone that touches the anointing. I've seen it happen through these years of ministry. Number one, I've seen people get sick or die. Number two, uh, if they're adults and they lead a revolution in church, I always watch their teenagers will backslide. It's like they put that spirit in them. They turn their back on God. Almost always, and they, crazy things happen. Number three, anyone that touches the anointing. I've seen them go broke if money is their God. Number four, if you see them a year later, after they've led this revolution or caused this problem, they're going to look 20 years older. And number five, I've seen their marriages fall apart. So when you turn them over to God, Romans 1 says the most dangerous thing you can do to somebody is turn them over to God. But here's what I would say to you. Turn them over to God. That's what God does. But when it does happen, be there to help them pick up the pieces because it proves you're a leader. It proves you're a, a, a true, pure person. But then the other thing is, at this moment, it's really tapping into your spirit and it's really starting to win. I would tell you, remove, when people come to you and they say, hey, we're not hanging out with them, we're not doing this, don't even feed it. Just say, hey, let's just love them. Man, that's that whole thing of you've got to take the punches for the ministry. But at the end of it, and here's what you got to look at at the end of it. There is a trophy waiting on you, and it's up at the, the stands, at the BMC. And that trophy 
says, you made it. And what you got to realize is, you got to keep it out with Paul keep it on the track. And what you got to realize is, they don't have the authority to destroy your ministry. They don't even have the anointing. In fact, you sit back and smile and love them because you're going to wait because soon they got their due coming. I hope that makes sense. That's good. It makes perfect sense. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Um, and again, I'm jumping at you guys and interrupt me if somebody else has jumped on. And again, please know it's so okay to pass. I just don't want, a, you know, so now I'm feeling like all of you are going, guys, we can't. So it's so okay. Um, Dwayne, my friend, you got a question, Dwayne Thomas? Hello? Yes. Yeah. You. Yeah, okay. great. Thanks, Pat. Um, you've touched on a number of things that I've gone through. I've just gone through it. Uh, tremendous time in ministry. I'm not going to be in um, traditional youth, youth or young adult ministry for a little bit. Now. So I'm looking for a church and everything, but I'm going to be working in a, a different um, field and everything. So, um, you know, some of the things you've said, you know, my senior pastor that we've left um, on okay terms and everything, he said, you know, we can talk and things like that, but, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move forward and Sometimes you think, oh, you want to do the Christian thing. You're like, okay, yeah, well, maybe I should have lunch with him. But really and truly, I want to move on and, you know, get out of Dodge and, you know, and look, you know, not even look back. And so, you know, some of the things you've said has really helped me because, you know, I've I've come through a tremendous emotional time. You know, I, I really, really feel that, you know, some healing has really taken place because I'm just not even in the church and it's been about a month. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing what you've shared. Thank well, you. And I will tell you, and thank you, and and I will tell you that, number one, protect your home right now. Mm-hmm. And don't bring anything into your house right now. But then, number two, I will tell you, that lunch will come and let God open that door. He will. It will happen. That lunch or that meeting or you'll walk up to each other at Walmart, something will happen. And it, it will get better, and it will be better, and you'll be more powerful. And I would also tell you. If people call you from the church, the very five things that I mentioned that happen to people that, that harm anyone that's anointed can also happen to anyone that's anointed and doesn't walk in obedience. I've seen it happen. And so I would tell you right now, safeguard. Yeah, God's doing a cool healing, but safeguard what you say to anyone. And you can say stuff without saying stuff that could cause issues. So you got to be careful who you talk to now. Right now, I'd be very limited on whose phone calls I took from that church. Gotcha. Awesome. Gotcha. All right. Now, Pat, amazing one. So you could, we've been on the call about an hour and 20 minutes. We've got about 40 minutes left, and I've still got, we've we've answered about eight people's questions. we got about 20 to go. So I'm just okay. telling you that so you can kind of, because I don't want you, I don't want you to miss your son's graduation and say, Jeannie kept me on the phone all night. You're so good. All right. Let's see. Jeff, you got a question? Yeah, first, uh, I just want to say, Pastor Pat, man, this is awesome. I, if you saw my notes, I got just all kinds of chicken scratch all over trying to keep up. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, as someone, you said you're going on the road and has experience doing that. Um, and just for a few months, that's kind of my life now. My wife and I are raising money to be missionaries. And um, and you talked about it, having a daily plan. And... Uh, Man, I thought youth ministry was unstructured. Living, going from church to church can be really unstructured. Um, 
So what are just a few things that you're saying these are must-haves in, in your daily plan? You know what? I'm a, I'm a dreamer, so I, I, I sleep very little. And uh, because of that, my staff is listening in. They hate it when I get a, uh, a long flight because if I get on a long flight, there's going to be about four hours of, uh, and about 20 yellow pages or emails. I, I would just say to you that the road, uh, if you do it right, and then you are you you never PR yourself, but you're always PRing. And what I mean by that is, so with that, you're always looking for a way to stay fresh. You're always looking for a way to come up with new ideas. Uh, even though I'm an evangelist, I write a new message every week, and uh, because I want to stay fresh. But then the other thing is, man, the, the road life is it's hard, it's tough on your family, but it's a blast. But I still have weekly meetings with my staff. I still pour into people. I still disciple our students, and so the road really is the end result of a great of a week down life. It's what I say about altar calls. An altar call begins when you end your service on Wednesday night. One minute after you dismiss the students, the next altar call is beginning for the next week. Everything you do that week builds up to your next altar call. It's the same thing for a service or when you travel. Everything I do, everything I plan, everything I lay out, and we're huge on, man, in every different way, technology and all that kind of stuff. And so we're always dreaming. But I also enjoy what I do. I also have fun. Plus, when you're on the road, relationships are key. And so I spend a lot of time building relationships. But more than that, we are we, we work constantly at staying organized. I, I don't know if I'm able to answer that correctly or not. Oh no, that's good. I'm taking relationship. I got more chicken scratch from what you're saying. So okay, good. Yeah, no, that's good. And and just mainly for me, saying that having everything build up to that night, you know, it's really easy to to be like I got this in the can, you know, and, and worry about other things, but. I mean, that is critical, what, what you just said right there. I literally wake up for my next event. I've got tw- uh, 12 youth camps starting. Right now I'm praying for South Texas Youth Camp every morning because it's my next big event. I've got a thing Sunday and a thing another the next Sunday, but my next big event with students is in South Texas. And so I'm praying every morning that there's kids there that don't even plan on being at that conference. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. David J.D., did you happen to jump on J.D. Slowly? He was going to maybe jump on later on. Okay, I'm jumping. Sweet Jenna, do you have a question? Uh, kind of. I have more of a comment. Um, so I'm being super honest. When I saw the uh, the title of this message, I thought I, I really wasn't expecting to receive a lot just because the last couple of years for us have been a huge emotional roller coaster with just a bunch of different things going on. Um, however, <laughs> um, some things that you said were really huge. Um, like you talked about being hidden for a reason. Yeah. And that is huge. Um, and I don't even know that I have a question, but that is huge to me right now. So Come on, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, Jenna. We love you. We love yeah. you. <laughs> we do, Jenna. We love you. Love you. Here, what did you start to say, babe? I didn't want to come in. Oh, no, I just said love you, too. <laughs> oh, you're so good. Jared, my friend, you got a question? Uh, yeah, Pat, I'm just curious uh, your perspective on this. In the constant battle and kind of roller coaster that is managing our emotions and, and 
and making sure we were correctly using them at different times. And obviously, I think for me, this kind of goes along with my personality. How do you control or um, manage your emotions to a point of where you, you don't become apathetic in the things that you do? Um, man, you know what? The only thing that can, can, can inspire that is I, I don't really battle that as much as uh, apathy. Uh, I guess my answer to that would be I don't get apathetic because I don't take myself that seriously. What I mean by that is I don't think I'm that good. And okay. Apathy, a- apathy comes from a place of feeling like you've conquered, you're there. Or it can also come from feeling like you can't change your results. Both of those. Here's why I do that. It's ASAP. It's Psalm 7. The, the wicked were winning until I entered the sanctuary. And I'm going to be honest. It's a spiritual answer. Man, if I'm not praying, I do uh, allow apathy to get in. But if I'm praying, uh, and, and we don't hit that enough for leaders. Uh, they say the average pastor prays five minutes a day. My gosh. Um, if, one, if I'm not praying, truly praying, Apathy will win, and if I'm not dreaming, Jeannie always says the best. She says that um, when you live in a lost dream, steadiness prevails. Apathy comes from not working out. Your body can become apathetic, your muscles. You have to stay in a place of running the race. And I like staying sore. I like it when I work out and stay sore. And so I like it when God rips stuff out of me. And I never take myself that serious. If I don't, that means I'm continually challenged to do better. Awesome. Thank you. You got it. Joe, you're up, good friend. He maybe had to pull off. JP, talk to me. You got anything you want to talk about? I do. Pat, I I want to say, echo everybody else. It's been a powerful call. And I want to I tell you a couple things. There's my question. First of all, there's very few people that I follow in ministry that I that I try to I, I, I really look to for for different guidance and things. Of course, one of them is mom, and the other one is Jamie Montera, and then the other one is you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Although you probably don't remember meeting me about 12 years ago in Alaska as a youth pastor there, and uh, my wife and I were going through some things, and I'm holding in my hand the cassette sermon that your wife gave that you gave me to get to my wife that your your wife did called Seasons Change yeah and uh, I'm holding it right here and I want to tell you it's it impacted us so thank you for that and oh thank you thank you for thank your you ministry so, I, I wanted thank to share that with you this well just, thank you Jamie's my boy and Jamie's one of the, when I met Jamie he was an electrician that had a dream of going to the ministry and now he's all over the world we were just together in Colorado too about three weeks ago and and JP, I do remember you. I actually do remember you. I remember standing at I think it was Beaver Camp. Yeah, Beaver Camp. Right. I remember standing beside you at the back table and handing you that. Yep. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Um, the only question I've got uh, with this um, is I know you've mentioned a few uh, books and quotes and things. Is there any other books that you've maybe read dealing with this subject in particular that you would like to reference or suggest to us other than what you've mentioned during your your time? presenting well the the, the, the book that, that changed my life was by Larry Stockstill and he wrote it after dealing with the um, Ted Haggard situation and the, the book is called Remnant and it talks about the father wound and that book I required of all of our students and all of our leaders it's $2 at LarryStockstill.com 
but it's the greatest book I've ever read on realizing the father wound so many times affects everything we do, especially emotionally. When you see a guy fall morally, you need to look back at the father wound. When you see uh, a girl that can't believe that God could use her, look at the father wound. I look at my little girl today. She's seven years old, left in a park and abandoned at 15 days old. And she came up to me today because she had been watching something on the Internet, uh, American Girl, it's a doll thing. And she said, Daddy, you know what, I'm just not going to watch that because they, it, it, there's something I didn't like. Some kids were being mean to another kid. And I wrapped her up and I said, I'm so proud of you. You just made the best decision. You know what? The father wound so controls how we see Jesus in our life. And I recommend that book. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Jonathan, got anything you want to talk about? Yeah. Actually, uh, Pat, you might recognize me as well. Um, you spoke at Valley Forge a, about a year or so ago, two years ago. I and uh, there was a blonde guy who came up to you and told you that he was uh, he was called into ministry when he had spoken at Pendell's youth co- or youth winter retreat years ago. That was me. That's fire. That's so, fire. Yeah, it's really cool to always you know catch up with you and hear you speak. Um, really good stuff today. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Uh, my, I guess my question would be, uh, be if I can be blunt. Can I can I be blunt? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeannie has said this as well as well as you did. I, I read Uncensored um, and talked about turning loneliness into to those appointments with God and really drawing closer to Him. And if I can just be honest, I know it. I've heard enough wise people such as yourself and her say it. Um, I just don't know how to do it. I mean, I, I know that when I'm lonely, I'm like, okay, this is time for me to connect with God. But all I can really do in those moments uh, most of the time is just go, I feel lonely. I feel like, you know, there's no one there. You know, you know I get to like you said, people on my phone and all that kind of stuff, but how do you actually turn those moments uh, into moments to connect with God? Well, and, and Jeannie and I, neither one will tell you that we're able to do that every time. Absolutely. I, you know, I would tell you that there's times where I've gone to sleep and my pillow's soaked because I miss my family so bad on the road. And and there's just nothing that's going to win. I mean, there's just nothing. You can turn on all the worship you want, and, and it's just going to sound like a clanging cymbal. I will tell you that there's also times that when those times hit, the best thing you can do is go find a friend to hang out with, somebody to work out with, somebody to do mm-hmm. stuff like that. Number two, turn on a good, sappy movie or a good um, uh, murdering movie that, where people die. And or, <laughs> or, number, or, or number three, I would tell you to get back to, to the serious side of it is there is a, there is a press in time that, and that wall, it's like a runner that will hit a wall at a, at a, in a 3K or a 5K or whatever. We all hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm reminded of Psalm 78. The Bible says, though the men of, of Ephraim were ready for battle, they turned back. It really is a moment for you to prove faithful. And if you don't, you will allow your flesh to win. And I have to make up my mind. It is a choice to not let my flesh win. I'm not going to look at sin. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But the other thing is, are, are you married? Are you married? No, I'm not. Okay. All right. Then that's, this is a critical point. The other thing is that because uh, when you're married, man, you can really, uh, hopefully the other one's up and you're, you're going to feed each other's life. Mm-hmm. But when you're not married, and you're the single leader that's walking out there, I, I will tell you that the greatest thing you can do is go for a walk. Just go for a walk. And after you're done feeling sorry, and after you're done listening to the voices of the enemy, 
make that walk become a run. I know this sounds really practical, almost hokey. I'm not being hokey. I'm being serious. I've had to do this on the road as an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I've been in other countries and went for a walk. I was in Singapore in December, and I was trying to hear from God, and I couldn't. And I, and they had, I preached a lot, and I went for a walk. And I just said everything I could say to God. And I mean, and he just sat and listened with his arms crossed. And then I ran all the way back to my hotel room because I felt that he was waiting on me. And I walked in the room, and I just felt God fall on me. And I don't know, there's not even a right answer to give you except to say, press through the wall. Because it's not a lie, and it's real. You can break through. Good. Thanks. You got it. Uh, let's go ahead, Julie. And again, you guys, pretty pleased. Now, I've sent you to the other side of a lack of balance. So, so feel free to say, take a pass. Jules, you got anything you want to ask? I think I'm going to have to take a pass. It's all been so good, and it's really right where I'm at. I mean, so many things have really hit home. So thank you so much. Awesome, darling. Carla, my love, you got anything you want to talk about? about? Um, no, I don't have a question. I just want to say thank you so, so much just for being real with us. You got it, Carla. Thank you. Ken, my love, your turn. Hey, Mom, I'm going to take a pass. Pat, uh, I've listened to a couple of your uh, stuff off of uh, Mom's Epicenter Conference and Real Beneficial. Everything you've said, I wish I would have heard about four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, a lot of that myself, and I, I, I hear your heart and know know what you're saying, and I appreciate you a bunch. Thank you awesome. so much. Wonderful 12-year anniversary, girl Krista. You got something you want to talk about? Um, no, I don't mean to be in, in a row there again, but um, I just have to make a comment. Um, you know, I, too, just like everyone else, I've just, I've just been hanging on every word, and it's so timely, you know, everything that you said. Because um, I, too, I just feel like my emotions have just been a, a roller coaster like you even talked about before but um, I mean you just hit so many points even the questions everybody's asked it's just been everything I needed to hear so Come thank on. you so much oh and I appreciate your southern accent it's about time there we go <laughs> right <laughs> Larry Metcalf your turn Larry hey Pat hey you know what I just I sat down with Jamie a couple weeks ago and uh, he just he was saying the, almost the exact same things that uh, you were saying, and they're just, man, they're hitting my heart, and uh, it's been a tough year, but man, I just appreciate your time uh, and the call today. It's very powerful stuff, and uh, just tell you, I love you and Karen, man. You guys are awesome in our hearts. And We redid your cabin here, so I'm ready for you to come visit me at Cedar Edge again. So. Uh, hey, thank you. And you know what, Larry? God's going to open a new door. Even if it takes you out of Delta, you watch what God does. I believe it. I believe it. Thanks, brother. You got it. Matt, Oberdick, you got something you want to talk about? He maybe had to jump off. I'm coming down to Matt. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. There you are. <laughs> you got anything uh, you want to talk about? Bubba stole my question, so. Uh, Bubba, I'm you good, know. Though. How dare he? Okay, you're awesome. Um, Matt Wilmingham, what about you, love? Okay, we'll let him find the mute because sometimes it's a little tricky. Matt, are you there, dear? Maybe not. Michael, you're on, my friend. 
Michael Martin. Okay, I'm pausing because as sure as I go to the next person, then somebody will find their mute button. Maybe not. Okay, Nicole, I'm jumping all the way to you, darling. You there? Hi. Yes, I'm ma'am, so I'm here. Um, I don't know if I really have a question or not, but this has been like the call of the year for me. Um, even just this past week, I've been through some even physical things in my body just due to stress and emotions, and I'm learning how to, um, trying to learn how to manage that. That's never happened to me before. Um, even went and had a CT scan run to make sure the headaches weren't from anything physical, but they were strictly stress-related and just different things going on in our church and in my life, period. So thank you for these <coughs> things that you said today to help me you know, fight through this to it's get to the place awesome. that I need to be. Awesome, sweetheart. Um, Oscar, you're on. Hello, I am here. <laughs> thank you so much. That's <laughs> um, about uh, just you know, thank you for everything. Um, you talked about depression, insecurity, and fear, and I think all of us, to some extent, will eventually deal with some shape or form of any of those three. But I, here, as of late, what I've been um, dealing uh, just in my heart, internally, not not in public, not a, uh, you know, an outburst of, of this, but it's been uh, anger, if I can be honest. Um, there's been a couple of situations and that that there was just some some extent uh, uh, that happened in, in in our ministry with when I recently had to let go of one of my leaders because um, he was just uh, it was a spiritual thing he was drawing uh, division and uh, a lot of backstabbing posting stuff and you know I met I dealt with the situation I confronted him there was no resolution there was no um, you know repentance and uh, so I'm glad you already touched on that by by dealing with you know making sure that you love the brother and uh, in spite of everything that's happened and and you know I just I'm still struggling with that because I still see him trying to come in and to he doesn't he no longer comes to, comes to the church anymore because uh, the the resolution was you know if you, if you repent and you come and humble yourself and stop saying some of those things outwardly to our leaders and and trying to draw division. You know, then you, we love you. We want you back. You know, you you can be a part of this, but that was not never his decision. And uh, so, yeah. what I've been struggling with is just the anger side of that. Could you talk a little bit about that and just uh, you sure. Know. Yeah, you know, Oscar, uh, I've got a message card when a leader gets angry. I did a whole series on a leader. This message today came from when a leader walks in wrong emotions. And I've got a message. The first of that series is when a leader gets angry because I grew up in an angry house. I will tell you this, one of the greatest scriptures that I ever read was when it, when it, when it says in God's Word, with all that is within you, do your best to live at peace with all men. It does not say I will live at peace with all men. And what you've got to understand, there are going to be foes, and there are going to be things that are not going to be fixed, and you got to move forward. Do you know last week I had a guy that had rose up against me about three years ago and got mad because I didn't hire him as our youth pastor, and three weeks last week, this fellow called me and repented took three years. I left it alone. I guess i got to get this across to you, Oscar. Your family cannot handle being around somebody angry because they will take on your offense. And so for your family, you got to get free. The Bible over and over says if you walk without wisdom, you walk in anger. And so I will tell you, go online, go to the Summit BM. It's not all plans for door emergency site yet. 
the summitbham.com and listen to on the on our thing when a leader gets angry it will jack you up because God will pull that out of you and you end up on your face because all that is is a cancer that will eat away at you and you cannot let anger win in your life you can't just for your family you can't so when you see this guy yeah, he's not worth it I mean I know that sounds crude but man I just figured out some people aren't worth it they're not worth my peace I will not live in knots thanks guys Oh, that, thank you so much, Pastor, because that, that, yeah, I mean, I, I needed to hear that. So thank you. You got it. Amazing, Pete Campbell. You got a question? Uh, no, I, several of my questions have already been answered. Uh, this has just been a really, really timely call for me. Um, I mean, all of you know that my wife and I, we had our little baby, and, and so there goes a lot of emotions and a lot of tiredness Absolutely. and a lot of different things that go there. And, and so I've been finding myself kind of just wearing, wearing thin emotionally, you know, at home, just trying to help my wife with all the different things going on and then coming to church and then having all these all of these different things kind of blow up and and just uh, some personal attacks that I've had from some families and and just a couple of people here actually even just this past month and it's been it's been, <laughs> it's, it's been kind of a uh, uh you know trying not to let it uh you know take root in my heart or anything like that um but Pat you said something about you know just the seasons and um you know in life and in uh, ministry, and you know that God, you know God does, you know has all those seasons in place for a reason. And I just need to hear a lot of those things that you said today. Um, just kind of just help me, help me uh, get some peace. I think so. I just want to say thank you for that. You got it, absolutely. Uh, let me come down. Hey, Rachel, got anything you want to talk about? I don't, but thank you so much. It's timely, just like everyone else said, and it's been incredible. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Rachel. Seth, you're on. Yeah, um, I I agree with everyone that I believe that uh, we deal with emotions more than what we realize, and the timeliness of this is good. Uh, my question is, um, you talked a lot about finding the, those relationships, those guardrails, those the guardrails, those things that we need to have in place. Um, what's your take on uh, even us as pastors occasionally speaking out uh, counseling help? What's your take on that? Uh, uh, seeking out like a counselor? Hey, yeah, like, well, speaking out counselor. Uh, if you're talking about long line of a professional counselor, uh, I think I think pastors are, uh, I don't care who you are. If you're walking through something heavy, you need to seek somebody. And I think sometimes uh, ministers take on the role of a counselor and they just jack people's lives up if they're really not ready to do that. That's why I told our church, I'm a coach, I'm not a counselor. And but I would, what I would say to you on that is that uh, there is nothing wrong with going to seek out counsel, professional counsel, nothing. I think if we did that, we'd have a lot less people quitting. You need somebody that's an outside voice that doesn't come from a little ministry mindset that can tell you how to c- control or get in line uh, your emotions, but also it's amazing. It's like I, I love to spend time with businessmen because they spark inside of me an entrepreneurial anointing that I forget because it's all about the word and people and all that and it's the same thing with a counselor a counselor has the ability to get you to think after they get past that first 20 minutes of the surface stuff and get you to get real I I personally think if you're a great leader you have no problem going to somebody that knows more about your issue from a professional standpoint than you do very good thank you absolutely Sonia, my love, talk to us. 
Hello. Hi, sorry. Um, well, um, thank you so much for the advice that you gave to my husband, Dwayne, earlier on, as he said. We have just recently left our church, and I would say right now my issue is, is struggling with forgiveness. Um, we were in a very verbally abusive relationship with our pastor, oh. and some of the things that he said to us over the time we were there, I mean, Jeannie knows about this. Um, right. You know, um, I'm having a hard time with forgiving him. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I want to be transparent here. I'm having a hard time. I'm not going to lie. Um, I hear that. Anybody would. Um, they have the things said to him that you did. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you could talk to me about it. I know I, know I keep saying to God, I forgive him, I forgive him. I mean, I've said it so many times. And I, I know that it's not all about feelings, it's about faith and so forth and so forth. Um, because we're a bit isolated right now, we're, you know, we're not in a church, we feel you know, a little isolated and so forth, and people have been wanting to come and see us from the church and talk to us about stuff that happened there with them. It's a bit of a mixed time, and my husband has been doing his best to protect me. Of, you know, you know, we don't need to see these people right now because it's going to kick all the stuff up again, something like what you said. Um, but I'm really feeling the isolation, and I am asking God to help me to forgive him. Um, right now, I'm not going to lie, I would rather not see him ever again. But my husband has said, you know, <laughs> he's like, you know, we may, God may arrange for us to see him. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. So, um, love the man, pray for him, all of that. But I don't know, I hope you can understand what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you this. That there are periods of time where arrogance is a great protection. Uh, or where you put that wall up. And, and I think God allows you to have that season where you need to put that wall up and to walk through to be able to move forward. But I will also tell you this, that, that forgiveness is not uh, uh, an action, it's a choice. And, and it's something that has to go deep. And with these, this guy, this hijacker of ministry is what I call him, this terrorist of ministry, I will tell you, to sit back and go, okay, God, I can't deal with this myself. Mm-hmm. And so, very simply, I'm not going to. Instead, Lord, I'm going to let you do things over a period of time, and I'm going to wake up one morning, and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I would say with I would say with the people from the church and stuff like that, it is smart to avoid them right now. And isolation, it's not fun. And it's that's why your marriage has to be... When Jen and I, we walked through something about... Six years ago, I moved our family and off to promises, and Jeannie really helped me walk through this. But we got a whole ministry out to Vegas, and it was just a, it was just a mistake. After about three months, I realized it. And man, but during that time, I, I started to say so. I said something a while ago. It was the hardest time we ever walked through. But can I tell you, my marriage and my family, I began to realize they were my best friends. And man, we danced at night. I mean, we really did literally dance. At night, one night we danced for an hour and a half because I had no words to speak, and God mm-hmm. brought healing through that. Yeah, I danced with. I taught my son how to dance. My little girl, and I. And I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't give that time back to anybody because it was the greatest time that I began to realize who will Pat be. Well, if mm-hmm. Pat be what everybody, else, what this guy or whatever has said about you guys, will you be that person, or will mm-hmm. you prove him? So you've got to make up your mind. And when I say the arrogance term, what I'm saying to you is. You get almost bold about, uh-uh. If God be for me, who can be against me? It's David with his own brothers when he said, Is there not a cause? And none of them believed in him. Mm-hmm. Jesus had three sets of disciples, the inner court, the outer 
Resort and the Holy of Holies. If you look at all three groups, they're broken down. There were some that never went to the inner court with him, those disciples. Mm. That's okay. Mm. But what I would do is I would begin to dream about something big, and I'd start putting it on paper. I hope that helped. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. You got it. I think just a couple more. Stephen, you got a question? No, I don't, but I really appreciate today. It was very, very, very insightful. And I really enjoyed uh, the questions and uh, the comments afterwards. Thank you. You know it. what? I just noticed Tim is at the hospital with a leader. Hey, did I miss anybody? Or somebody maybe jump back on? Jimmy, I've got, I've got a friend on the phone from Salt Lake City that I wanted to, to, to listen and say, Tom, are you on there? Yeah, I'm right here. Hi, Tom. Hello, how are you? We are so glad you're on. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I just uh, love you and Pat. I just my brother, man. You, oh. Well, Tom is blowing it up out in Salt Lake City in a very tough environment, and I just wanted him to listen in today, and I wanted him to meet you, Mom. I really feel like he's supposed to be a part of Cadre later. That's awesome, Tom. I'd be honored. I'd be honored so much. Pat, you are amazing. Thank you for such a significant call. And thank you to all the forerunners that are probably still hanging out somewhere listening. What fun to have all of you guys with us today. So much. And listen, will you tell Nate that I'm grinning so big and, and cheering that I'm going to be in a board meeting tonight. And you know what? It's is a little depressing because a graduation, <laughs> normally graduations are not things that you, you know, yearn to go to unless they're your sons, but I got to tell you, I would much rather be at Nate's graduation <laughs> than the board meeting. So, I, so I tell him I am, I am particularly sad I'm not at his, his graduation. I tell him, Mom, I'm going to be, Ken and I both are going to be sloppy rags. I'm telling you, we're going to be crying and, and, um, uh, we may just end up moving our ministry to Dallas so we could be there. I, I know I'm going to be making a lot of fights in Dallas on Saturdays to watch football games. and So so uh, awesome. So awesome. I love you very much, hon. Go have a wonderful rest of your day. And to all the forerunners, thank you guys so much for being on here. Y'all, Jeff, the forerunners, tell Jenny hi. Thank you. You guys are too fun. Too fun. Alright, go chill and have a great afternoon, you guys. I love you, Mom. Bye bye. I love you, son. Thank bye. you so much. Alright, bye.